All right, we're good. You ready to roll? My name is Brian. <laughs> Who am I again? <laughs> I've been practicing this one. Our job is to help you win. The destination is I will be a disciple who can make disciples. We got to watch people see themselves as world changers. My name is Brian Phipps with Disciples Made, and we are about to start episode number nine of our podcast. And you've been paying attention. We've been kind of going back and forth through our five pillars of the intentional disciple-making environment. And kind of the rhythm has been our team talks about what they are. And then one of the promises we've made to you, our listeners, is we would bring in real practitioners. These are people that are not paid church leaders you know, necessarily. They're real people doing real jobs in real time who have decided to step into a mission with Jesus in their lives, and they're sharing their real life stories. And today I welcome two good friends, Matt and Sarah Barnes. I've had a man crush on Matt <laughs> for a long time. Just been walking with Matt for a long time. Was a small group leader at uh, Westside, one of our campuses, this B-Way campus at the time. And uh, just saw in him just a great uh, leader. Spent a lot of time together in that kind of environment. And then Hannah, our podcast queen, the lady that uh, runs all this and try to keep us all in. She, she had a role in your life. What was that role? She uh, nannied our kids for a whole summer, and they still say that that is their favorite summer that they had. They still talk about it. Not a joke. They yeah, really do. They really do. How about yeah, that? They loved every minute of it. Yeah. So. Could have yeah, used you it. over this uh, quarantine period. <laughs> I think everybody could use yeah. <laughs> in this quarantine period. But there's another thing that you guys have in common with Hannah. You went to the same college. Yes. I did. Manhattan Christian College. The Harvard of Christian Liberal Arts That's Schools. That's right. That's right. Or NK State. Go Cats. <laughs> Emo. Et cetera. I love it. Matt and Sarah Barnes, welcome to the podcast. We're going to be talking about Community Forged today. If you were on the podcast with me and Rob and Brian last time, we talked about how the, one of the pillars of the intentional disciple-making environment is Community Forged. Uh, we don't uh, focus our disciple-making things on community. There's a lot of churches that will actually leverage the value of community to get people into groups. And what we talked about there is mm, that's not really how it rolls. You know, community comes out of being on mission together and becoming disciples together, but it can't be the end goal because it ends up kind of breaking up on a sift. So the outcomes is what we're focused on, character and calling. We're fixated on mission, which is what we'll talk about next time. But now we're talking about organizing our lives in a way that our community best suits us for the disciples that we're becoming and the mission that we're committed to. So we've talked about, just quick review on this, we talked about how we have the one-on-one -on -one community relationship, us to the Father. We teach disciples how to have that one-on-one -on -one relationship. That often inspires the need for a one-on-three. Who are my three? Jesus did this with Peter, James, and John. Like when I'm talking to God, he's exposing things in me that I don't really like about myself. I need people that I trust that I can bounce these things off of, get the support to keep moving forward. That's the three. But then there's the 
spiritual family that we're on mission with, our 12, our team, our people that we hang with that uh, inspire us to keep moving further in this thing called mission. And then there's the bigger teams like the 72 and the 300 that become the 3000 and so forth, you know, with the rest. So what we want to do today in this idea of community forged, Matt and Sarah, like I said, are not church leaders. Matt, what's your job? What do you do for a living? Uh, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Okay. I work for the government. Yes, that's awesome. It's it's I'm not a spy, so it's not that exciting. But I, I do work for the government. <laughs> you do work with one of those. And Sarah, tell us what you do. I am the front desk secretary at Piper High School. Piper High School? Yes. Go so Pirates. Go Pirates, that's and right. you guys. So you've been back and forth, back and forth. Are we live? Are we virtual? And yes. what do I do? And yes. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Not a lot of fun. So these are real people with real jobs who stepped in to Community Forged. What's going to be valuable for us today is for them to just be gut honest about the wins that that's brought for them, the pains that that's brought for them uh, in the process, and uh, hopefully you can, and, and, and just some of the ways God's changed their lives through this, in order for you to get a picture of what your life could potentially look like as you step into these more and more and more. So just tell us really quick about your family, we've done that a little bit, your real jobs and your current ministry effort and involvement. We've been married for, oh shoot, 16 years. I know. Uh, we have two kids. They will be in high school and middle school this year, freshman and sixth grade, which seems super weird to say out loud. We both have real jobs. Not that working in a church isn't a real job, but it's different. We are part of the KC Underground. Uh, we have a micro church that meets at our house, and uh, that's what we're doing right now. We've come a long way to get there, which we'll probably be going into. It's been a long road. And, uh, but it's pretty, it's pretty amazing where we're at now. So let's, let's start at the beginning. When you first heard of these intentional social spaces, the one-on-one with God, the one-on-three, the one-on-twelve, what was your first response? Sarah, let's start with you, put you on the spot here a little bit. What, what was your reaction to that whole framework? I think probably what I thought is we need to simplify what we're trying to do. I think I thought, um, man, we are spread really thin. Um, we're trying to do too much, um, trying to make things happen where we aren't, um, trying to fit a round peg in a square hole kind of a thing um, that I didn't realize we were at the time. Because, you know, I mean, as we all know, life just kind of goes and it ebbs and it flows and it changes. And we were just kind of keeping with the status quo or what we had always been taught, even if in our hearts we were like, this doesn't feel right. Right, and you've, you've, you've started to uh, name a couple of those places uh, already. You know, your sports friends, your church friends, your coworkers. Our neighborhood. This was in a microchurch learning community that I remember it like really hitting home. Uh, we wrote down all the different places where we have community, and it was like all over the board. I'm only one guy. She's only one gal. We can't cover all of that. So when we started to look at what would it look like to, uh, instead of make it look like a scatter map, make it look like a target, you got to figure out where you, where your mission is, which I know that's next podcast. But once you kind of figure that out, that will tell you where, where to focus, or at least it did for us. So Piper, where we live, part of Kansas City, is our main focus and 
within that is the the ball teams and uh, neighbors and and all of that. Gotcha. So let me just uh, hover there for a minute. So here's what I'm thinking. Sarah, you used that word. We wanted to simplify. We're too busy. I can't imagine that there's anybody listening to this that has the same feeling about their own life, except for everybody listening to this. Like that sounds really attractive, like to just kind of narrow my bandwidth. But there was a part of that, I imagine, where that was feeding something in your soul. I have a lot of connections here and there, but I'm not kind of making an impact in any of those places. I I just wanted to throw that thought out there and see if anything popped up to the top of your soul to respond to with that so I think for me it was we had some things going on in our life that we bought some land sold our house didn't have anywhere to live kind of a thing and we felt connected in a certain area I don't know if I want to call it out but in a certain area um, and it was in that area I thought we would get the support that we needed or wanted at that time as your local congregation yes, yes. local church yes yep. it was yep. um, so and that's where we truly at that time felt that was our where we were connected that was where our quote-unquote family was um and it 100 percent let us down and the people that stepped up were not christ followers yeah so unexpected and some of the closest people to us now so it was that's when we realized oh maybe we're not as this isn't all our community and that really pinpointed like where people were going like where we were loved and vice versa let me back up a little bit because i think you uh, jumped right into some of the implications of what can happen when you start to determine where's my missional focus and then how do i start prioritizing those relationships and then kind of what happened let me back up and help everybody get there so you started doing that work intentionally asking where's my primary missional you know environment and and you probably did that through um our experience disciples beads experience called missionaries made you start really working the blessed rhythms that we that we introduced and followers made and you do that in a way going i'm trying to do that with the ball folks folks i'm trying to do that with the piper folks I'm trying to do that with my current small group or my friends at church. I'm trying to do that here and there. And you're trying to discern which of these areas do I deep dive in the most? And then where do I plant my one, my three, my 12 in order to get, you know, that congruence and that simplicity in my life. So you're assuming as you start to identify Piper's our area, this is what we're going to do that you found yourself not in the nest egg of the relationships you had before the support, the love, the care, the people you thought you could count on. What did they look at at you? Like you had grown an extra eyeball in your forehead. A little bit. Tell us just, you know, we're not trying to be critical of people. We're trying to help people understand what could happen. If you start to think and talk this way and you're part of a more traditional type setting. I mean, it, it was a, it was a classic local congregation where um, most people hung out with church friends you go to church with your church friends you hang out with your church friends it's it's a it's a subculture it is a subculture and we realized as we were going through bless uh, the blessed rhythms and uh, things like that that this isn't reaching the people that we want to reach and so we started looking at uh, our neighborhood, 
our network of, of relationships through uh, sports. And uh, we started talking to our church friends about this stuff. And they were like, you know, that's uncomfortable to, to start going out there, out there, air quotes. And it, it made people uncomfortable. It, I mean, we heard things like, um, I wouldn't let my kids hang out around those people. And that, I mean, that's, that's hard to hear from, from friends that you've had for, for a while. Let me, let me, let me just push pause real quick. Don't lose your thought, but I want to interject this real quick. You know, 30 years ago, it was don't bring those kids to our youth program. <laughs> right. Well, now you've become, you know, the, the program and you're inviting people into this new expression and they're going, I'm used to, and they wouldn't say this, but this is probably what I would think they would be thinking subconsciously. The church is the new world we're trying to get everybody into. Right. Instead of we go as the church out into the world to be the church and therefore, so it makes sense for them to go, wait a minute, you're calling different plays from a completely different playbook. So this isn't looking down on, this is just what we've been grown to expect. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's the difference between bringing someone in, bringing them to church as opposed to being the church and going out. And so we started going out more, uh, hanging out with different people or hanging out more with the different people. Cause we looked at, um, where, where, what are we already doing and who are we already with? And let's just invest in those people more. And when we started doing that, you, you only have so much time, right? right? So you, you have to, if you say yes to something else, you have to say no to something else. And that's really hard to do. And I like to say yes to everything. So, uh, but it's just not possible. So as we started saying no to some things, um, it, it was hard. Uh, but I can say now that it's been three years. We are where we're supposed to be. And we are, our micro church is made up of 85% people who did not go to church before they were part of our micro church. That, that was our goal. We're trying to reach the people who aren't being reached. Gotcha. So I'm going to give a little preview um, to our next podcast. You, you alluded to it earlier, but it really is going to help make more sense out of this conversation if you're um, having a little bit of trouble uh, sticking through. The last pillar is mission fixated. And for some people, that mission becomes establishing a microchurch. That was y'all's mission. You knew that's what you wanted to do as you worked through Missionaries Made. You figured out that's kind of the role that you want to play. So um, that was your mission that in, that influenced how you became disciples and made disciples right? And so it took you kind of outside the church. Other people could be doing their missional stuff within the confines of a church and they won't find these tensions. They still need to organize their life in a way that's simplified where you're joining with people. Your three are also on that mission with you. The 12 are on that mission with you. And then the broader uh, you go, the less that has to be central to what's, to what's going on. So I just want to make sure everybody can still kind of play and, and figure this thing out. We kind of tried to do the, at least me. So I, th- it was harder for me to wrap my ha- head around the micro church thing. Sure. Like I remember telling him, I do not want to have church in my living room. Like I, those words <laughs> multiple, t- yeah, multiple times that came out of my mouth. Um, so at first I remember trying to make 
it work with our old keeping keeping the the both um and i remember one night specifically he was asked to be a deacon they came to do the deacon interview, interview with him we were sitting in our house that we were redoing on lawn chairs in the living room and when the guy left matt was like i'm not doing that that's not like no and for me that was i was like why like you should like we are leaders we should do this but that's when the paradigm shift happened for me mm. you know like for him to say this isn't where we're headed and so it was easy for him to make that shift but for me it it took some time and it took some I don't want to say coaxing but some encouragement and some bible reading and some learning and all that to really understand oh yeah this this is already what we're doing but we're just really going to focus on it and make that our one true focus but that's the rub you know um i'll let my I'll let the listeners in on a little secret we've already recorded the uh podcast having to do with mission fixated and so it's uh it's gonna be fun for you to be able to 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 get here, but we talked about the power of being in a community that's fixated on a mission together. So I want to just kind of drop that little, you know, Easter egg in here, that little, you know, little nugget of something to, to anticipate. But if, you, if you've ever watched The Lord of the Rings, yeah. they talk about the Fellowship of the Rings, or the Fellowship of the Ring, these people on this mission, you know, to, to do this, and the fellowship and the community that happens. This is kind of what we're aiming at. And, and that can happen with whether the target's microchurch or whether, whatever it is, you know, baseball people or rodeo people, like some of the other folks in, your, in, in the Kansas City Underground. But you you, this is where this is really really wanted to dive in with you guys the process of prioritizing your life and your relationships around that mission was like velcro being ripped away from one environment before it could attach to another so sarah you just started to allude to to, to that in some particular relationships or maybe it was you matt like can you remember some key conversations where you thought didn't expect this pain. You don't have to use names, but just kind of describe the intensity of that and the and the pain that was involved in the and how you didn't prioritize prior community, but you prioritized moving toward a mission which you trusted community to come around. I remember. So we moved from a neighborhood in Piper, uh, your classic cookie cutter houses neighborhood, to um, some land couple miles away and the house we bought was literally falling down it looked like a haunted house disgusting when we did this it didn't make sense to a lot of people why why we were doing we were living in a camper in the backyard and um one friend was helping us work on the house and after a long day of you know the house being a piece of junk we were sitting in lawn chairs out in the backyard having a couple beers and talking about stuff and He's like, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. And, uh, you know, I'm trying, trying to explain what we're doing. We're being, we're being missionaries outside of the church. Like, uh, I can't just go to the country club anymore. I got to get out and we feel like this is what God's doing. It was a those people conversation. Like, why those people? And that's where the comment of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want my kids to be around those people. Now, I will say, we've had to have conversations with our kids about 
the language that is used and the things like that. Like, it's not acceptable, but it's going to happen because we are out doing God's work and we're going to come across people. The best friends we met through the the house situation, he cusses like a sailor. And it doesn't matter where he is, it's just it's how he, he talks. And first time he came over, he's in the kitchen talking and my kids are, I can see him like looking wide eyed, like what is happening? Like, well, this is, this is the new normal kids. So it's not like you just accept everything that everyone does. But uh, when you get outside the church, things get real. And when you're on, you talk about mission, you talk about the Lord of the Rings stuff. If you think back in your own uh, life, when did you feel the most community? It was probably a team, right? Or if you were in the military, you know, that sort of stuff. We were talking on the way here about uh, life groups that we've been a part of in the past. And when you try to uh, force community when, when there is no mission, you get brownies and awkwardness. I mean, a lot of times. Not every time. Sometimes you... And we did our best to match people in a absolutely. way that we would think things... Yeah, we, we tried to multiply our life group because we wanted to recreate what we had there. And we tried, and it was, it was, not, it was not right. But we've, we've grown from that, and we've learned. and um, Not that we have it all figured out for sure, but yeah. day by day. So I totally get the whole thing about when you open your home to this new, you know, target of investment, um, that the rules change. I can remember doing the same thing with my poker table. That's where I've become, I love poker and that's not a secret. And I, I, I think often of the days that I only had my Christian friends there. It was easy for the kids to come down and say hi and all that other stuff. But when we started inviting others that didn't kind of share some of those values, that uh, there was some explaining to do to the to, to the chillins. Like this, these people talk worse than my high school friends or my middle school. Anyway, so that's there. But I want to go back just a little bit because you're talking about how you probably have a more of a fellowship of the ring network now, but you didn't probably have it then or did you like go back to the lawn chair in the backyard we don't want to do those kind of people i'm wondering like the velcro's coming off which must have been an interesting conversation between the two of you that night processing what that felt like uh, did you have uh, the the beginnings of the new 3 and 12 at that time or not yet i think we did the beginnings but i don't think we knew no it was just forming during that time um was when we lived in a camper in the backyard so we have two kids two dogs which thankfully we had a friend who took the two dogs while we lived in the camper but we lived in this camper for six weeks probably right about six weeks and it wasn't a camper you should be staying in for that long um so it was rough um but out of the woodwork came this baseball family um that's we knew them we knew of them before this um, because our kids all go to piper and so we knew who they were um silas started playing on this baseball team and um pretty soon she's hey why don't you guys come over for dinner tonight all right hey while you're here bring your stuff and shower and then oh hey you don't have a washer and dryer bring your clothes over here and let's wash your clothes and this was a probably four or five times a week i would get a text from her almost like i mean it was 
almost every night. My parents would come and help with the house. Yeah, bring bring your mom and dad. I mean, they completely stepped up and they are 100% part of our three. And they are, I, you hear it all the time, but they are truly our family here. Like their kids call me mom sometimes. My kids just go there and treat, they're tr- just one of the family. Um, and so that, that was just starting to form at that time. And I remember that first week that they did that. And I was like three times I told Matt, I was like, I am shocked. Like, because, you know, people have, um, uh, reputations or you hear this or you see that or whatever, and you just don't know until you see their true heart. And I, they're my most favorite people and 100% part of the three. It's kind of crazy timing too, because you're intentionally living in a camper so that you can reach people that you don't really, you might not even really like that are certainly different. Your friends that were closest to you think you're weird and you don't have the next piece of ground to really anticipate landing on yet as you've left the one yeah i think uh alan hirsch calls that the liminal space and we were right in it where uh it was unknown and it was challenging and it was a time where we had to be uh we had to trust god that this was all going to work out and uh, sometimes we doubted <laughs> that it was going to work out, and uh, but it did. And through it, uh, we, you know, because at that point the mission was live in a house, get positioned. Yeah. Yep. Because we bought this place with the land to be able to use for the community, to be able to host things, and be able to just be that a safe space to, to have that kind of space for the Piper community. Right. I, I always say we bought it so we could have bigger parties and we have bigger parties. <laughs> We've had over a hundred before. And it was funny early on our first party there, it was like, you could see the, the scatter that, it, that we had early. We had our church friends. We had our baseball friends. We had our old neighbors. Uh, so it was like a grade school dance with totally. the girls on one side bit. and the boys on the yep. other. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And as time has gone, our parties now are just people. And they're, it's our crowd. And uh, we're closer to some. You know, our three are there. Our 12 are there. Um, but then people that aren't in those that are they're all piper people generally uh, not all but most so a couple of questions that i want to come back and i'm and i'm going to land this by saying kind of kind of describe your three what's the role you have with them what's the 12 so just kind of a heads up on that but let me ask you this first in that liminal space did you ever think about just quitting and going back <laughs> yes can you unpack any of that do you remember a night where you that was on the table i remember many a night to be completely honest that that was on the table like i said before this was a lot easier for matt i mean he's much more outgoing change isn't a big deal you know whatever for me it's i am not i am an introvert i don't put i mean i say i don't put myself out there um 
I'm not sure I believe that anymore. I think at that time I didn't put myself out there. And there were many times I was like, this is, this just doesn't feel right. I miss you. you I missed it. I miss going, um, having that to like going to church service every Sunday morning. I miss, um, those relationships and those conversations. Um, and I felt, and to be completely honest, sometimes still, still do you. I mean, that was a big part of our life for a really long time. Great people too. Yeah, exactly. That we still love and still have relationships with a lot of them. They're just different. Um, and so there's still, still times that I will cry and be like, I don't understand. I don't know. Back then it was, I don't know where we fit. That's kind of what it felt like. Um, I feel like now we know where we fit. Um, but back then I was like, I, I don't even know what to do. The easier thing would have been to say, forget it and go back to church, the building. But we knew deep down that we were where we were supposed to be. And that time period of living in the camper and and then when we did get part of the house done, we just lived upstairs. It was like college again. We had a mini fridge yeah. next to the next to the bed, so I could just reach over and get a Dr. Pepper. Gosh, no, we don't have Dr. Pepper sponsorships. <laughs> where Matt just did a plug. <laughs> but th- through that time, it really, especially us too, um, it kind of galvanized us and our mission and those around us. Because easy times don't build you up, right? It's the hard times, and we had some hard times. And in that time when we were doubting or when we were just felt like we were floundering, we had people step up and give us encouragement and people that you wouldn't expect, like friends we've been friends with for 15 years that Matt's worked with and whatever have always been used to say they were atheists. I'm not sure they do anymore, but, um, they've been some of our very best friends and the encouragement in that time where we felt like we were floundering came from them came like, and specific words from them, um, that were said to Matt. I don't remember exactly, but things like that, that God showed up in ways we had no clue he was in the middle of. I call those his autographs in the sky. Just to let you know, he's still paying attention. He's still got your back. You're still on the journey that he wants you to be on, even though it feels very lonely. Carol and I, Carol's my wife, for those of you that don't know, we've made like three or four major sacrifices like you're speaking of, you know, in order to go further down the missional road that's landed here. And I can remember those nights where you're just talking, we could have a life like this. We could have a life like this. Wasn't it sweet back in Egypt, so to speak, you know, when we at least had this, this, and this. And if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, I don't, I'm not sure I want to do that. Let me, let me bring a biblical story here. Um, the barns aren't the only ones to make this kind of move away from home sacrifice for people that are far from God. I mean, it's the story of our savior. If we were to use big words to talk about what they're doing, they wanted to be incarnational. They wanted to be Christ in the flesh in Piper in their neighborhood. And they made sacrifices that we're talking about right now that probably seem irrational to some who are listening. And it only becomes rational when you realize that the, that the one who started all this started that by doing 
this, leaving home, leaving the father, leaving an unlimited capacity for whatever. And in Philippians two describes this and he gave it away. Like he did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped, but he, but he emptied himself of all that to become us. And you have emptied yourself. So thank you. Thank you for hearing the voice of God and saying that's more important than what we think is valuable. And we're going to put that on the shelf as is required in order to follow this obedient path. So thank you for that. Let me say this and to thank you. I've done, I think I've been through all four DM experiences. They were named different things when I did them. Uh, but, and Sarah's been through three of them. Um, with, without those, we would not be here right now. They, they created uh, liminal spaces to grow and, you know, small ones which you can't take on a big one if you've never taken on a small one, yeah. right? They're, st- they're, they're staggered that way. Yeah, exactly. I thought there maybe a, a, was a plan there. Through those, we were able to, God was able to show up and prove himself to us that, that he was faithful. And so when it was time to step out and do the big thing, it's not that we weren't nervous or whatever about it, but we, we had the faith to... Uh, and Jesus was going to carry it through. If this, if this was really his mission for us, and we were pretty sure it was, that there wasn't anything that was going to stop it. You had the tools, you had the support, you had the understanding, all that. That's so, so, so good. Okay, uh, we, need to, we need to narrow this down. I want to hear one, as quick as you can, story of like a life that has been changed because of this investment you've made. There's a couple that... Um, she always went to church. He never did. Loved them from the beginning. And he would come, you know, on Easter and Christmas, you know, that whole thing. Um, but he has started, he comes to our market church now. Um, they went through just like every married couple does, you know, you go through things. Um, and we were able to counsel them and encourage them and, um, be there for them through that and he you see so much more positivity in him you see so much more um community between the two of them than you saw before um opening up to each other um and other people and i think that's a huge one because they have such an impact on so many yeah they they have far-reaching influence on people and to see that start to take place is is pretty cool and like i said earlier you you could have invited these people to church and we're like what like i don't want to go to church i I don't i don't have any reason to go to church um and it's not that they they don't care about jesus or that they are against any of it or don't have spiritual curiosity or whatever um just a church service isn't for everybody. Um, so when we started this thing, they were they were all about it, and we we read the Bible and we talk through it. We do I will statements, and he talks through it, and he is a part of it. And if he can't be there with us, like when we were doing the Zoom stuff, if he was at work, he zoomed in from his truck. Wow. Yeah. You know, like that's a big deal. Like he wasn't at that's home with his family. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that's a big deal that he's he's bought in, and you see those little changes. The day that we uh, we had a baseball tournament, and we we do our warm ups, this whole thing. I'm in the dugout getting some stuff ready. I look out, and he's out there with the team, and they're kneeled down in the outfield praying before the game. I've never seen any other team do that, even the Christian ones with the cross on their jersey. Uh, and he's out there leading them in prayer. And that's when I was like, oh, there's some things happening here. They still do it before every game. Yep. Man. So six weeks in a camper to see something like that. Totally worth it. All right. So real quick, like. That's a story. That's awesome. I'd love to hear more of them. I think people get the idea. What does your three look like right now? You described a couple of these people that are in the three. That's the environment of people that I'm most intimate with and most centered in my mission with. They're partnering with you to do this thing you're doing. And what does the 12 look like? And what does the 72 look like? Our three is the uh, probably the three families that are closest in our microchurch who kind of have been there since the very beginning. They're they want to reach Piper uh, in this way. There's many ways to reach people, right? Uh, they're into it in the way that we're doing it. Um, I would say our 12 isn't actually 12. It's probably like 20, but it's uh, it's our micro church. They are, uh, you know, they're bought in. It's not quite the same level of intimacy that the the smaller group has, uh, but they're still into it. 72. I think that adds in our baseball family more than anything else. Is that who comes to those parties that's about the 72 level? Yeah, though. Yeah, probably those. And then anybody else, like a lot of them are our kids' friends, parents. We try to get to know all of our kids' friends, parents. <laughs> um, and so that's who usually comes to those. Yeah. In the micro church, it's kind of those coming to the party and then the 12 usually get, you know, kind of grow out of those people that were at the party to kind of help put on the party and, you know, all the other things. And then the intimate ones are the ones that come out of those leaders. So fantastic. So again, thank you guys for being a part of this. Um, I'm going to drive this last little piece to wrap up. If you're thinking about how you can add community forged to your disciple-making environments, to add that pillar to what you're currently doing. The most simple way is to ask, how many people do I have in this group right now? My small group, anywhere from 6 to 12 to 15, whatever. One way to, to just quickly add this pillar is to divide that group into what we call triads. Some people call them D groups, doesn't matter what they're called, but they're environments where uh, they have a particular um, ability to go a little bit further. There's things that I'll share with two other people that I won't share with 12 people. That just makes sense. So how do you intentionally divide that group? And there's great best practices. We're not going to go into that here. That's a part of the disciples made uh, group preparation type of uh, training that's involved in our, in our stuff. But it's basically, you know, how do we create those environments so that people can start to become more vulnerable without leaving the 12? That's what all this is about. Have the three that come from within the 12, have the 12 that kind of came out of the bigger 72, the 72 for a lot of you is your church. Even if the church is 225, that's still kind of the 72 uh, category uh, that Jesus is talking about or Jesus modeled for us in his days down here on earth. So just divide into triads. Those triads could be doing a reading plan together. Just pull up you version and do and have, have them pick their own reading plan. You do that reading plan and then they follow each other's 
journals, the I believe and I will type of statements, and you start to develop a greater level of NMC, and you can go from there to follow into some more of these. Uh, I hope you'll be uh, back with us in our next podcast called Mission Fixated, where we talk about that more specifically, and then when we bring Corey Osmond in after that, the, the practitioner, you guys know Corey, where he talks just about, oh, some of the ways his Mission Fixated community has developed. Lord of the Rings stuff, man. Fellowship of the Rings. When we start to put all five of these disciples made pillars of the IDE together. Matt and Sarah, thanks again for joining us today. Thank you. We hope that what you heard today was an encouragement to you or that it increased your curiosity in making disciples that make disciples. If you'd like to learn more about our experiences or set up a coaching call, you can visit us at disciplesmade.com or email podcast at disciplesmade.com.